Albert Einstein was taking a train to an out-of-town engagement, and the conductor stopped by to punch his ticket, but the scientist, preoccupied with his work, explained that he could not find his ticket. He couldn't find it in his coat pockets, in his briefcase, anywhere. And the conductor finally said, well, we all know who you are, Dr. Einstein. I'm sure you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. And as the conductor moved along, he looked back to see Dr. Einstein on his hands and knees, searching under the seats for his ticket. And the conductor walked back, Dr. Einstein, please, don't worry about it. I know who you are. And exasperated, Einstein looked up and said, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I am going. <laughs> Simon, Peter, James, and John, they were all fishing partners. You know, they were not just playing with boats. For them, fishing, it was a tough, exhausting profession, a way of making a living that forced them out onto the lake in the wee small hours of the morning when the fish were rising and kept them laboring far into the day, washing and repairing their nets, tending to their boats, and hopefully selling their catch. And it seems that through long hours and constant maintenance, Simon and his partners we're able to scrape by but most of the time. But in a sense, their livelihood always depended on a certain amount of luck. Would the fish be there or not? Sometimes, despite all of their hard work, all of their careful preparations, the results were empty nets, which also meant empty purses and empty stomachs. So we read today about the after effects of just one of those frustrating nights. These fishermen had been up all night. They were probably cold and wet and tired. They would probably also be somewhat discouraged, disappointed, maybe even a touch fed up. In fact, just what more humanly could they do? They were experienced fishermen. They knew exactly how to fish. They knew every trick in the book. But here they were, cold and tired and defeated, with nothing left to do. There was nothing left that they could try that day. Can you relate to these fishermen? When we, had, when we are at our weakest, when we are down in our spirits, down in the dumps, with nothing, nothing left to try, Often it is right then that God says, all right, we've done it your way, now stand back and let me give it a try. When we are at our weakest, God in our lives is the strongest. So the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, and he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, or the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats, which happened to be Simon's, he asked him if he would just put out a little from the shore. And he sat down and he taught people from the boat. And really, in Luke's story, for days now, 
Jesus has been teaching and preaching and doing miracles and healing the sick, but up until now in Luke's telling, he doesn't have any real close followers, no real disciples, but that is about to change. And when he had finished teaching, Jesus turned to Simon and said, well, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. Now, when I read about Jesus on a boat on the Sea of Galilee, I just get a wonderful picture in my mind's eye. And that is partly justified because the people of Jesus' day thought that water was cleansing and it helped to make the ground fertile. But away from the Galilee and the Jordan River, it was hard for them to get water to drink. So they also really valued wells and other sources of fresh water and Water was also a source of food. Fish was a staple of their diet. But these same folks also had a real negative association with the water. Because you see, way back at the beginning of creation, the creation story in Genesis, before the world was created, it says the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the deep. And the word deep refers to a pre-existing ocean. And this ocean was often wild and angry. It was fierce and frenzied. It was energy, but unharnessed and unfocused. So imagine this vast space without light, filled with water. And the water is just constantly churning up and down and back and forth. And the waves crash into each other. Can you hear the constant, terrible roar? Can you feel such power, such force, but to no good purpose? Its whole existence is purposeless explosions of energy. In the act of creation, God gave boundaries and focus to this primeval ocean. But Jewish writers, see, often use water as a symbol of chaos. The flood in the days of Noah is a memory of what can happen when water's chaotic power is just unleashed. So here is Jesus in a boat on a sea. And as we read this, perhaps we ought to tremble just a little bit. Because Jesus then tells Peter to put out into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Do you now hear a bit of an echo from Genesis? Because yes, the word deep in Luke is the same deep in Genesis. At one level, Jesus tells Peter to fish where the water is deep and the fish are big. At another level, Jesus tells Simon to let down his nets into chaos itself. And when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. And this is remarkable. And Jesus tells them to put their nets into the thing that represents one of their greatest fears. But with Jesus in the boat, 
They bring in so many fish that they can't handle that catch all by themselves. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. For from now on, you'll be catching people. So what's now just happened on the Sea of Galilee is what is to happen from now on in Simon's life and in the life of the church. We are to let down our nets into that which is indeed scary. We are to let down our nets into chaos, out into the deep. William Barclay once wrote, and I quote, There are two great days in a person's life. The day we are born, and the day we discover why. So his nets almost tearing apart, his boat almost swamped with water by the weight and the wealth of this tremendous catch. Simon at first does everything that he could possibly do to ensure that he can safely haul all of this bounty aboard. And just as suddenly Simon realizes that he is standing in the middle of one tremendous miracle. Because with just a word, Jesus has made these fishermen more successful than they had ever been. And as soon as he hits the jackpot for a fisherman, a catch worthy of a lifetime of storytelling... Jesus calls him away from his life and lifestyle that had just now gotten richer. If you were Peter, what would you do? Jesus dumps a fortune in fish at your feet. And then he turns around and tells you, ah, but you got to leave this fortune and take up an entirely new position, one which you have no experience in whatsoever. Does that sound smart to you? Safe to you? Could you turn your back on the money, on the comfort, on the status? Could you turn away from this newfound success and promise for your life? Well, Simon and his companions are so moved by the spirit of Jesus and the power of his presence that they do the unthinkable, I think, for us. Because hauling the loaded boats ashore, these fishermen then abandon their new wealth and leave behind all those old symbols of security. The Bible says that they left everything and followed Jesus. And you know, I imagine that there were times for Peter and the group that they wondered why they had left their nets. You can almost hear them at times. Why did we leave the old ways? And at the crucifixion, the regret, the regret I think, was particularly strong because they almost caved. But in remembering their call, gathered together in an upper room, behind locked doors, beside the sea, once again in Galilee, they looked about and they said, hey, we are still here. This way of Jesus, it, it makes sense. 
We felt the Spirit of God with us in all of our journeys with Jesus. He told us that the kingdom of God is here and we know it's true. We're not alone, for we live in God's world. So they resolved to move out into the world and to preach the presence of the kingdom of God. And they moved beyond their usual geographic boundaries out into the whole known world. And we are here today as ones who have that very same call. So this morning, my friends, please know that this fishing stuff, it's big stuff. You know our church in general is in a time of transition. And the important thing in all of it, I think, is to know that the Christian is called to live out their faith in the reality of the world. Our Christian call, it's not to any particular job, but to a way of being. It's to a way of life. It's to bring to our everyday tasks, everyday lives, some sense of the holy. It's to be sensitive to the presence of God in the ordinary events of our lives. Whether you farm or you fish or you work in an office or you teach or you sing, if you police or you serve the needy, all of these things, they're all callings. It is the ministry of the laity. It's how Sunday mornings meet Monday mornings. The call is to be in the world living the values and walking in the way of Jesus. And finally, please just hear me this morning. You may never in your life have ever caught a fish. But that doesn't mean that you haven't been caught. In fact, I was caught a long time ago now. And chances are, most of you sitting here, you've been caught too. For you see, God, through ordinary people, went fishing. So let's pray that we all are a part of that very same fishing trip. Amen.